you are listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Eric Erdman. Hi, well, good morning, Sunnybrook. My name is Eric, and I'm so excited to be with you this morning as we're continuing our Old Testament series, looking at the Old Testament heroes. And we're looking at heroes of the Old Testament, but really they're ordinary people like you and like me who had fear, who faced fearful situations, but God was with them, and he guided them through fear into a deeper trust and a fuller faith in him. And the same is true for us. We face fear. We're humans. We have fearful situations that we walk through, but God is with us, and he wants to guide us through fear into a deeper faith and a fuller trust in him. And so this morning, as we get started, I thought it'd be a good idea for us to touch base on the scripture that we've been using to guide us through this series, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. But I would love if you'd say it with me this morning. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And actually, this is one of the first scriptures that I memorized early on in my faith journey. Uh, to be honest with you, in high school, really, I struggled with fear and worry about all sorts of different things. So this was a scripture that I really clung to. And actually, one of the first times in my life where I began to feel like God was moving in my life, that his word was active and alive, that God was drawing me near to himself, was in a time of tremendous fear in my life. It's probably my, my junior year of high school, I started to get plugged into a church, into a youth group, um, and really start to explore what does faith mean? What does it look like to seek after God? What does it mean to pursue a relationship with Jesus? My junior year, and I don't remember what we started talking about on those Wednesday nights, or what, what, what all the conversations was. I remember playing dodgeball, that's about it. But I remember leaving every Wednesday night and just being so fearful. As the weeks went on, it was probably a couple weeks or a couple months, every time I would leave on a Wednesday night, I just had this fear inside of me, and I, didn't, I couldn't place where it was coming from. And it got worse as time went on, as weeks went on, this fear kept growing inside of me every time I would leave. And one night it got so bad, I'm in the basement of my home, and I close my eyes, and the fear strikes me, and I just can't get myself to open my eyes. I can't get the courage to open my eyes. And finally, I build up the courage. I open my eyes. I sprint upstairs to my room, and I had downloaded the YouVersion Bible app on my phone that day, and I open it up, and staring back at me in the face is the verse of the day, which is Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And it was the first time in my life where I was like, wow. Much like the Old Testament heroes, God is with me, and he wants to guide me through this fear into fuller faith and deeper trust in him. And much like Paul told Timothy, what I began to realize is fear does not come from God. Fear is not of God. He's given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. But then as I began to spend time in the Bible, time with God, pursuing Jesus, what I began to realize then is that in the face of fear, I have a choice to make. I can choose to live into fear. I can choose to to listen to what fear is telling me. I can choose to make choices out of fear. Or I can choose to trust what God's words say. I can trust, I can trust, I can obey, I can choose faith. And that's what I want to guide us this morning as we dive into scripture as a church, is this statement, that in the face of fear, we have a choice to make. In the face of fear, you and I, we have a choice to make. We can choose to live into fear. We can choose to listen to what fear says and make choices from there. Or we can choose to trust. We can choose obedience and we can choose to cling to faith. That's what's going to guide us this morning as we look at uh, in the scripture. But here's what we know. In the face of a situation, the same fearful situation, you and I can make drastically different decisions. 
drastically different choices. Right? We live in Iowa, so tornadoes, thunderstorms, they're nothing new to us. Right? We face these every single year. But the way you respond, the way that I respond is going to be completely different. You've got people who are crazy. They go out, they storm chase. They hunt down the tornado. They're hanging out of their van, taking a picture. You've got me who I act like I'm not scared. I sit and grab a snack and watch the storm roll in through the window. And then you've got those that are hunkered down under the stairs. They've got six months worth of supplies that we may never see from them again. I need to call my Aunt Karen, but um, I'm just kidding. I don't have an Aunt Karen. But in the face of fear, we can choose. We have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. And today we're going to dive into Scripture, and we're going to take a look at two men, King Saul, the king of Israel, and his son Jonathan, and the choices that they make in in the same situation, in the same fearful situation that they find themselves in. And we're going to look at the choices that they make, and the, the, the drastic difference that we're going to see is going to leave us asking why. How? How can, they, how can that be? Is it because King Saul is a coward and, and Jonathan had courage? Well, partly, but I think it's more than that. I think Saul lived his life in fear. He made choices out of fear, and Jonathan had faith. He knew who his God was, and because of that, he knew he had no reason to fear. But in the face of fear, we have a choice to make. The first choice we want to choose together today is in the face of cheer, face of fear, choose trust. Face of fear, choose trust. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 13, chapter 14, and chapter 15. In this portion of scripture, we're going to find that the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, the Israelites, they're going to be in a battle and a war against the Philistines, and they're also going to be in a different battle with the Amalekites. And we're going to take a look at the differences King Saul and Jonathan, the choices that they make. And so here's what we know. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, they're in this battle with the Philistines. And these Philistines, there's these, these godless, massive, ruthless men. They hated Israel, and they hated the Israelites' God. And so they're in this battle. This is, it's in this context, this conflict with the Philistines that Jonathan's first introduced to us as well. So 1 Samuel 13, verse 2, if you're following along. Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel. 2,000 were with him at McMash and in the hill country of Bethel. And a thousand were with Jonathan at Gabeah and Benjamin. The rest of the men he sent back to their homes. And so what we, what we find out from this portion of Scripture is that Saul's got 2,000 men with him at McMash. Jonathan's got 1,000 with him at Gabeah. And here's what we know. Saul is at McMash and he's waiting. He's just waiting. He's just chilling. In reality, he's got no reason to wait because he's got no reason to fear. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, God had told the Israelites he's going to deliver them. He's going to rescue them. He's going to save them from the Philistines. So Saul's got no reason to wait. But there he is. He's waiting. Jonathan chooses to trust. He chooses action. In verses 3 and 4, the Bible tells us Jonathan takes his 1,000 men and they go attack a Philistine outpost, a Philistine garrison. And they're victorious. God provides victory. And so Saul and his men, they see this at McMash and they, and they see this victory. And so they move from McMash and then they move to Gilgal. And I don't know if they weren't expecting the Philistines to be mad about this battle or what, but, but the Philistines respond, and they're absolutely furious. So the Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of beth When the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. So here's Saul. And these Philistines, they're they're furious. They're responding. 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and a number, an army too big to count. 
And Saul's men, they don't react in faith, but they react in total fear. They're hiding themselves in caves and thickets and cisterns and pits. Some of them are going AWOL. They just leave. They cross the Jordan River. They're out. Some of them are joining the enemy side. They're fighting now alongside the Philistines. And so there Saul sits in the face of fear. He had 3,000 men. 1,000 went with Jonathan. He's left with 2,000. Now he's got 600 men with him. That's how many have left. And in the face of fear, Saul has a choice to make. He can choose to trust. God's already promised deliverance. God's promised that he's going to rescue them from the Philistines. But then also beyond that, what Samuel, the prophet Samuel had told Saul, he told Saul, hey, listen, you're going to go to a place called Gilgal. He predicted this. You're going to go there. When you get there, I want you to wait seven days. And as seven days goes by, I'm going to show up and I'm going to make a burnt offering to the Lord. We're going to receive favor from the Lord. And then we're going to move forward. So Saul's got no reason not to trust. But he's got a choice to make. He chooses to disobey. He doesn't wait for Samuel to show up. So Saul, he waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. And Saul went out to greet him. Just as Saul gives in to fear and doubt, Samuel shows up. Just as Saul gives in, Samuel shows up and he offers the burnt offering. And I wonder how many of us in our life, are we in a similar situation in a battle with fear like Saul? Right, where these seven days, they waited seven days. The seventh day wasn't up yet. Samuel still shows up. But man, we're just about ready to give in to fear and doubt. God, I'm fearful of this diagnosis in my life, in my family's life. And I am just about ready to throw in the towel. I'm so ready to give in to fear and doubt. God, I'm I'm so fearful that my son and my daughter, they're far from the Lord. They're making decisions I don't think is right. I feel like they're messing up their lives. And God, I am so fearful. I'm just about ready to give in to fear and doubt. God, I can't battle this addiction in my life any longer. You said to give me strength. I'm not feeling it. And I'm just about ready to give in to fear and doubt. How many of us are at a situation like Saul in battle of fear this morning? But in the face of fear, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. We can choose. Saul chooses not to trust, but Jonathan, let's take a look at Jonathan. So the same battle with the Philistines, the same fearful situation, Jonathan chooses to trust. He says to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outposts of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you heart and soul. In the same situation, they're both battling the Philistines here, this massive Philistine army. In the same situation, how can Saul and how can Jonathan choose so differently? How can they respond so differently to the same fear in their life? How can Jonathan cling to trust? Three thoughts. Jonathan could, could trust God because he knew, one, God was in control. It says, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. This mission Jonathan and his armor bearer are going on, this is an irrational mission. This is, this is almost doomed from the start. It's two men against this entire Philistine army. The Bible even tells us that to get to where they're at, to get to where they're going to fight the Philistines, they have to cross two cliffs. In Hebrew, they mean slippery and one means sharp. So they have to cross these cliffs, these scale these cliffs that mean slippery and sharp. This is doomed from the start, but they trust in God. God had promised deliverance, and so they move. They move in trust. This perhaps that Jonathan uses, it's not a lack of faith. This perhaps that Jonathan uses, rather it's a posture of faith. Perhaps. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Perhaps he'll do what we want or he'll do what we don't want. But we trust God with the results. It's much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we walked through a couple weeks ago where they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, our God is able. Our God is able to save us, but even if he doesn't, 
we will not serve your gods. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Perhaps he won't. Perhaps he'll do what we want. Perhaps he won't. We're going to choose to trust. Second thing, Jonathan could trust God because he knew who he was in God. He says about the Philistines, he says, come, let's go over to the outposts of those uncircumcised men. Circumcision in the Old Testament meaning meaning the sign, the mark of a covenantal relationship with God, showing that they belong to God. Jonathan and the Israelites, they belonged to God. They were God's chosen people. The Philistines were not. The Philistines did not belong to God. The Philistines were not from God. They were not of God. And Jonathan reminded himself who he was in God. And when we're in a battle with fear, some of us, we need to do the exact same thing. Right? God has given us a spirit of power, of love, of sound mind, not of fear. Fear does not come from God. Fear is not of God. Fear does not belong to God. And we need to remind ourselves in the New Testament, if we are in Christ, if we have received him as Lord and Savior, he's adopted us as sons, as daughters. We're his children. That's who we are. We need to remind ourselves in the battle of fear. Jonathan could trust God because he knew, thirdly, what God could do through him. I love what Jonathan says here. Nothing. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Nothing's going to stop God from doing what God's going to do, whether by many, whether by few, or whether by two. Jonathan and his men, they're completely outnumbered, but Jonathan knows that numbers don't matter when God's involved. Nothing's going to hinder the Lord. And for some of us, man, nothing can hinder what God's going to do in our lives, but if we don't choose to trust, then we miss out. God wants us to participate. God wants us to join in. And when we say nothing's going to stop God, we trust him with the results, then we get to participate. We get to join alongside God doing what he's doing in this world. And so in the face of fear, we have a choice to make. The first choice we can make is to choose to trust. And then the second one is this. In the face of fear, choose obedience. In the face of fear, choose obedience. Now in a different battle with the Amalekites, now King Saul is leading the nation of Israel, and they're facing the Amalekites, and and Samuel the prophet comes again to Saul, and he's got a message for Saul from the Lord. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. And I'll read what Samuel tells Saul from the Lord. And I think, man, this is pretty clear what Saul is supposed to do. These are pretty clear instructions to obey. And if I'm Saul, I'm obeying. Saul chooses not to. Saul, Saul responds in verse 7. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with a sword. So, so far, so good. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. I think it's pretty clear what God tells Saul and the Israelites to do. To go and completely destroy everything, but they are unwilling to completely destroy. They obeyed God up until the point that they didn't. And I think what we can learn from this then is that partial obedience is disobedience. What God calls us to do, he wants us to do wholeheartedly. He wants us to follow through wholeheartedly. But the Israelites, led by King Saul, they disobey. 
I believe because they lived out of fear. I think Saul lived out of fear, but I think he also led out of fear. He lived his life in fear of scarcity, not enough. He couldn't trust God's provision in his life. And so they took what was good and they left what was despised. He led out of fear. The Bible tells us King David, the king after Saul, was a man after God's own heart. I believe that King Saul was a man after the heart of his people. He feared them. He feared losing respect. He wanted their approval. He wanted their favor. He wanted their respect. And so out of fear of what the outcome would be, maybe losing some favor in his people, he tried to control the outcome. They saved what was best so he could please the people. And this is where Saul messes up. And this is where we can learn from Saul this morning and what not to do. And where our role is in this, in this journey called life is obedience is our responsibility. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is our responsibility. Outcome is God's. That God might be prompting, God might be leading, God might be nudging you to do something in your life, but you're fearful of the outcome and you want to try to control the outcome and in doing so you bypass the obedience that God is simply asking of you. Maybe for some of us, it's God's asking us. He's been leading us. He's nudging us. We've been spending time in the word and in prayer to give in ways that we've never given before. Could be finances. Could be time. Could be energy. God's calling us to completely restructure how we spend money, how we spend our time, how we spend our energy to make a difference in this community. But we're fearful of what that's going to look like. We're fearful of the outcome on the other side. And so we bypass the obedience God is asking of us. Maybe for some of us, we've been feeling God calling us, hey, I want you to serve. I want you to serve in ways you've never served before, whether it be uh, a middle school ministry here at the church or out in the community, whatever it is, and we're fearful of the outcome. We, we, we play this comparison game, and we say, well, God, what if I'm not enough? What if I'm not smart enough? What if I don't know enough? What if I'm not the right person? And we're so fearful of what the outcome could be, we simply bypass God's obedience and taking a step of faith. Maybe for some of us, we're fearful. Uh, we have a coworker, a family member, a friend, and they are just struggling. And life's beating them down, and we know that they could use an invite to church. They could use somebody to share the gospel with them, to share the love of Jesus with them, but we're really fearful of how that might affect the relationship. Are they going to respond well or not? And so we're fearful of the outcome, and we bypass the obedience that God is asking of us. Obedience is our responsibility. Outcome is God's. And Saul messes this up, and Saul, Saul disobeys, but Saul thinks he has. Saul thinks he's obeyed. The Bible tells us he sets up this monument in success for himself. Samuel comes, he greets Samuel, he says, blessings, I've followed the instructions of the Lord. And Samuel says, no, you haven't. Listen, listen to what Samuel says to Saul. And God, he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? And Saul, he's still argumentative with Samuel. He says, no, listen, I did obey. I obeyed, but actually the reason that we didn't destroy the good things is because we were going to save them and we were going to sacrifice them to the Lord. We were going to give them as burnt offering to the Lord. We obeyed and we just wanted to do these extra good things. Saul says, no. Samuel says, no. Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of the rams. Again, I wonder how many of us are in a similar situation as Saul this morning, where we feel like we're doing the right things, right? We feel like we're doing the good things, that we feel like we're doing everything that God wants us to do, but we're simply, we're bypassing the obedience that he's actually asking of us. And if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in trying to do the right thing and the religious goodies and, and, and what God wants from us, and we can completely tuning him out as to actually how he wants us to obey. 
God wants obedience, and this is not robotic obedience where we just obey out of fear. God's perfect love drives out fear. We don't obey out of obligation. No, what God wants from us, and he tells his people in the Old Testament over and over again, is you bring me these offerings, you bring me these sacrifices, you bring me these songs. I've not asked of these things. What I want more than anything is your lives, your hearts lived in surrender to me, lived in devotion to me. I've not asked of these things. I want surrender. I want obedience because we trust that God is trustworthy, and so we simply obey out of that. Samuel chooses not to, but we know we have a choice. So what's Jonathan choose? Jonathan and his, and his armor bearer, they're on this two-man covert op mission against the Philistines. They're, they're crossing rugged terrain. And Jonathan said, come on, we will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves at the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines. Look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan's name literally means the Lord has given. So he's saying his name twice here. The Lord has given. But what Jonathan and his armor bearer do is they, they, they like, kind of like Gideon, they lay out this fleece where they say, if they say these words, if the Philistines say, come up after us, then we're going to respond in obedience. And the Philistines do. And oftentimes, you and I know, the first step of faith, the first step of obedience, that's oftentimes the most difficult one. That's the one that's filled with the most fear. But Jonathan and his armor bearer, they say, if the Philistines say this, we're moving. We're going to respond in obedience because we trust the Lord. And Jonathan knew obedience was his responsibility and outcome was God's. And so Jonathan moves into his, well, what's the outcome? God controls it. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer, armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army. Those in the camp in the field and those in the outpost and raiding parties and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Obedience is ours. Outcome is God's. Jonathan and his men, they move in obedience, and God sends a panic among the Philistines. God sends an earthquake that sends their whole camp into disruption. So in the face of fear, we have a choice to make. We can choose trust. We can choose obedience. And then thirdly this morning, in the face of fear, choose faith. In the face of fear, choose faith. The Bible tells us that faith is the confidence of what we hope for. It's the assurance of things that we do not see. But you and I know all too often when we are fighting fear, when we're battling fear, when we have a fearful situation in front of us, that can blur our faith all too easily. We can forget what we're actually clinging to in the first place. But in the face of fear, we have a choice to make. I will encourage us to choose faith because choosing faith does two things. One, when we choose faith, our faith encourages others to trust God as well. So uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they, they trust, they move in obedience, they cling to faith, and they attack, and they have this victory over the Philistines. Then Saul and all his men assembled and went to the battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines had gone up with them to their camp, went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they too joined the battle in hot pursuit. When we choose faith, our faith encourages others to trust God as well. 
See, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they trust God. They move in obedience. They cling to faith. And then what happens is God gives this victory, and others begin to trust God as well. Saul and his men who were cowarding in fear, now they come and they join the battle. The ones who had defected to the Philistine side, they come out and they join the Israelite side. They join the battle. They trust. The ones who were hiding in thickets and pits and cisterns, they now come out of their hiding and they trust and they join the battle as well. Because when we choose faith, our faith encourages others to trust God as well. When we're facing cancer and we choose to cling to God in faith, it encourages others around us to trust God as well. In the face of losing a loved one, when we cling to God in faith, it encourages others to trust God as well. In whatever fearful situation that we're walking through right now, if we choose, hey, today, it's tough. I don't feel like I can make it through, but God, I'm going to choose to cling to you in faith. It encourages others around us to trust God as well. When we choose faith, it encourages others to trust. Second thing our faith does when we choose faith, it reminds you the battle is God's, not yours. This, this battle with the Philistines, it ends here by saying, so on that day, the Lord saved Israel, and the battle moved on beyond Beth-Avon. Yeah. Certainly, Jonathan and his men, did they, they trust? Did they obey? Did they move in faith? Absolutely. But it was God who controlled the outcome. It was God who promised delivery, and it was the God, same God who, who, who promised, fulfilled his promise on the delivery. Because the battle was his all along. And so often when we focus on the fear, and we have this mountain, this situation in front of us, and we focus on the fear, it becomes so big, it almost becomes insurmountable. And we think, how in the world am I going to make it through this? But when we focus in faith and we cling to God in faith, the mountain gets smaller and our God gets bigger, and we realize, well, i got to take a step back because I'm trying to play a role that I'm not fit to play. And the battle's been God's all along, and I'm going to choose to trust. I'm going to choose to obey, and I'm going to choose to cling to faith. Because that's what we have, church. We have a choice. In the face of fear, we have a choice to make. And I'm praying that we will choose trust, that we will choose obedience, and that we will choose faith. Let me close this with a word of prayer. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. God, thank you for breath right now in our lungs and just the gift of now. God, thank you for your word that you've given us, that we have the ability to dive into it and learn from you. And Lord God, I just pray today, if we're walking through a fearful situation, I know some of us are walking through fear right now. Or we're going to walk through it. Your word tells us that we're going to have trial. We're going to have tribulation. We're human. We're going to face fear. At the points that we do in the face of fear, God, we know we have a choice to make. And I'm praying today, Lord, that we would choose to trust. God, you're trustworthy. You've never failed. You've never not held to your promise. And out of trust in God, we would move in obedience that because you know what's best for us, we would trust you and we would take that first step and we would trust you with the rest. And God, then as we move in obedience, whatever we're facing, whatever we're fighting, whatever we're going through, we would continue to cling to you in faith. We would look to you first and foremost. Lord Jesus, we give you today. We love you. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, your resurrection, the life that you've given us today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, check out our Sunnybrook Unscripted podcast, where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. For other talks, videos, and live gatherings, rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Download the Sunnybrook Church app or visit us at sunnybrookchurch.org. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church podcast.